Chris Gowser here with Matt Owl. On this episode of The First Run, Matt and I are going to discuss Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. I think that's the most colons I've ever had in a single movie title. And then we'll talk about what's coming up on your big releases on physical media, featuring your streaming and straight-to-DVD picks of the week. And then finally, Matt, I think we'll share our five favorite Mission Impossible action set pieces. Mm-hmm. Originally, I was thinking let's do Tom Cruise performances, but I think we got to give this franchise its due and discuss some of the biggest moments of one of the most consistent and successful action franchises of the past. When was the first one of these made? 1963? <laughs> sure. How long has McCruise been doing this? Yeah. I've 50, been... 60, 80 years? Since before he was born. There you go. So let's start everything off with a clip from M.I. Dead Reckoning. Our lives are the sum of our choices. And we cannot escape the past. Ethan, this mission of yours is going to cost you. world is changing. Truth is vanishing. War is coming. It's been a long time, friend. You've no idea the power I represent. It knows your story and how it ends. Does it involve driving a motorcycle off a mountain mat and catch a train? Mm Mm-hmm. Obviously. At least this one does. Matt, what is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning all about? <laughs> all about? Um, so well. I'm trying to bring a folksy feel to the show, y'all. Uh, little gee whiz, uh, gosh darn it, dadgummit stuff. Uh, <laughs> so, let's see. What is this one about? There is a AI that is looks like it's being used in a Russian sub. That sub goes missing. And the AI gets out into the world. They quickly realize amongst the world's various powers that they who control the AI will essentially control the world. And to get to this MacGuffin, they need a special key. So who do you get to get a special MacGuffin that'll save the world? Well, you call the IMF. And I do like in this movie that someone says, what does IMF stand for? And someone has to say with a straight face, impossible mission force, and they make fun of him for it which I <laughs> really appreciate. Yes. Yeah, it's and it's also interesting, too. We get a little more background, though not really anything solid, about the IMF and how you join it, mm-hmm. how they're not really obligated. And we always had the, you know, if you choose to accept it thing, right? Right. But there's a little more uh, depth and involvement in what the IMF is about, how you join, what some maybe has a checkered past for a lot of these people, that kind of thing. So that was that was interesting. But I, I like that you met. You talked about the MacGuffin because I can't think of any other action franchise of late that has leaned so heavily on MacGuffins, particularly the third part mm. with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and the rabbit's foot, yeah, which is never explained in any capacity. That's yeah. probably the biggest MacGuffin that this franchise has ever had. What are your thoughts on this one's MacGuffin? Because i got to be honest with you, Matt. I wonder if it was just a bit too much. Really? So, weirdly, 
I found the idea of this one to be much more disturbing because a lot of what they talk about with the MacGuffin is, you know, it, it's all like kind of nuclear stuff, right? Like these nuclear secrets are going to get out or it's going to be a bomb yeah. or something like that. Whereas this is, you know, we're decades away from fighting wars over our dwindling resources. You know, we're not going to have enough food. We're not going to have enough water. We're not going to have mm-hmm. enough space. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the idea that this AI is going to help whoever controls it to navigate those those waters, it all seems... Ir- it seems way more plausible. I'm more worried about something like this happening than I am like a nuclear war or somebody losing a warhead, which may be more practical now, but it doesn't just seem as scary. So for this one, it seemed a little, I don't know, a little more topical, I guess. And a little more made it seem to have a little more urgency. I mean, to maybe a lot of people, maybe it was just sci-fi, but to me, I found it kind of disturbing. I will say it may be more topical, but it is just outlandish Mm. to me. So the whole thing is that this AI has become self-aware and has learned. It's war games, basically. Right. Right. Um, Where the computer, the the program now is, I guess, even manipulating our bad guy, Mm -hmm. uh, Gabriel, I guess, in a way as well. And it's thought out all the moves ahead of time, you know, whatever decision, because it knows everybody so well type of a thing. And it's... (sighs) I don't, it just, it just felt a little, just all of it, just a little bit too much for Mm. me with that. I just, I don't know. We'll see how things turn out. That's part of the trouble we have, right? Is we're only in part one. Uh, There's going to be a part two that comes out next year. Maybe because the actor, the SAG-AFTRA, they announced their strike today as well. Mm, So everything's going to shut down at this point. And man, I, I, I don't know. Here's the thing. I think there's a lot of fun, interesting, and redeeming things about this film. There's a lot of things, too, I struggle with. I don't like when we have people coming out of the past that we've never seen before. Okay. That always, I always struggle with that a little bit. Sure. I don't care for a little bit too much of it this time of actors finishing each other's sentences or continuing sentences as you go around a room. Sure. The shared dialogue thing. And one thing that this film does a lot of, and I was worried because it's in the trailer, too, with uh, Vanessa Kirby's character. Um, a lot of close-up, slow head nods and eye moves as the camera zooms into him for like mm. a big serious moment. Mm-hmm. And this is, the, out of all the films, Matt, this is the one that teeters the most on becoming a parody of what it, of what it is. I think it's you factor in the AI as the big baddie. You have that finishing of the sentences. You have that. It's in the, tra- again, look at the trailer of Vanessa Kirby where they have this dramatic music swell and then she does this thing where she tilts her head and opens her eyes and looks at the camera. You know, there's there's a lot of that in here. Right. And it's, I don't know. I still liked it and I'm giving it a good grade. I think the thrills are still here. The action set pieces are nice and big. Though we also lift that ending with the train directly from Uncharted 2, the video mm-hmm. game. Okay. So, I mean, there's a, a lot. And then we also have a scene, again, with Vanessa Kirby's character where there's a sale or something going on. We're entering this big party. I feel like just 
we're we're getting into like Force Awakens territory mm. where we're doing too many nods and we're seeing stuff we just did a movie ago. Okay. What are your thoughts on Dead Reckoning? Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm much more of a sci-fi guy than you are, so I don't really mind those kind of plot devices. I, I kind of bought into it more. You know, I think uh, being the nerd I am, the idea is that the singularity, as they call it, of AI becoming self-aware is more a matter of if than, or I mean, more a matter of when than if. So it seems like, if why not now? So I'm completely fine with that because... At its core, this is kind of a light sci-fi series. I mean, you know, face mask and, and all that yeah. kind of stuff is not that good. I mean, they have all kinds of gee whiz toys. And just because it's wrapped up in spy trappings, like, we kind of give it a pass. But, I mean, all that stuff, the technology is... You just kind of accept that for all of these things, whether it's this or James Bond or whatever else. The... I didn't... I did think the kind of... What you're talking about as far as the non-verbal communication, it seems to be kind of Mm -hmm. leading super into that kind of um, spy idea that they they can read people's body language, that they can communicate with just the look. And I think at some point it does become a little ridiculous. Not so much that they're doing it in and of itself, but like they're doing it so much to different people across like everybody has to know that they're all saying something so if they're all so good at it they they might as well be just saying whatever they want to say out loud instead of you know looking across the way like saying that they might as well just say hey you know ilsa you shoot this guy and then like you know the bad girl you know the the blonde lady i forget her name she's like oh yeah she's gonna ilsa's gonna try and kill you like all this stuff like you could have just said all that out loud as opposed to trying to you know, obviously convey meaning through eyeballs. Yeah, that scene when they're at the party with the sale of, of the uh, the key is, I mean, it's so blatantly obvious. It's like it's like somebody, and there's like, they're surrounded by bodyguards. You think yeah. someone would point out, hey, did you see? She just looked at him <laughs> and made a move. Did, you, did anybody see that? It's so obvious. Yeah, it is. It is. Um and it doesn't help that like Tom Cruise is like mugging slightly. It's not even like subtle facial movements. He's like putting yeah. on whole big changes to his face that a five year old would have noticed um, that he's, <laughs> he's doing something different. And I think the the other the, I, the the complaint that I actually have with it is more of a characterization one. I like Haley Atwell, and I think she's you know mm-hmm. a, a fun actress, and I like to see her in things. But she plays the type of this type of character in this. That just annoys me whenever it shows up in fiction. It's always these type of things where no matter how many times she's put into a situation and somebody says, don't move or listen to me, they just don't do it. And they just run off and create a whole set of problems. I understand it's driving the plot, but after a while it gets really old for me. Like literally Tom Cruise sits down and says, don't move, stay there. And then, of course, as soon as his back is turned, she runs away for, like, the fifth time in the movie. And, like, there's real consequences to that. And it's just those kinds of things, that type of... It almost smacks of lazy writing to me. I don't like that kind of character. You would think that at some point somebody would have learned that they should probably listen to the international super spies. (laughs) Listen, I'm not going to have any uh, Haley Atwell detraction on this no, 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 show. No. I'm not saying that it's anything having to do with Haley Atwell. It's whoever wrote that character. It's their problem. 
That's okay. That's fine. Because I mean, I'd watch her not just watch her read the phone book, Matt. I'd watch her describe to me in intricate detail how and when I'm going to die. I mean, I want her to tell me things that I never want to know in my entire life, and I would be riveted and fine with it the entire time. Mm-hmm. I I like Kayla. Yeah. Did you see her Black Mirror episode with Tom Hall Gleason? It's a good one. I don't think I. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I think I know what you're talking about, actually. Okay. So, another thing, too, I feel is did you get a feeling like we were trying a little bit too hard with some of these stunts and some of these things? Like that scene when he makes his entrance in the train, you know what's going to happen. And it's a weird thing, too, where it takes these beats, they run a little too long. Yeah. Like, with that scene on the train when we're waiting for something to happen, I swear to God, that's like a three Mississippi. We could have cut out that would have had just, if not more, impactful of an entrance for him. But there's a lot of times like that when I think this Macquarie just doesn't cut soon enough. Mm-hmm. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, no, yeah, I, I get that. I mean, I, I didn't notice the pacing problems. I, I did almost see him... I mean, obviously they have to make this thing bigger, but they also, he seems to be more than I think he has in the past. And the movies is these are the more recent entries um, mm-hmm. seems to be cribbing the language of, of other films. And what's weird is the thing that really stuck out to me. And when I think we talked about it last week was that Tom Cruise is starting to look a little old, right? Mm-hmm. So he's got a much more of a, like an indie vibe. Like he's more broken down. He's worn out. He's too old for this shit kind of thing. So he's not, yeah. You know, it's just weird having just seen Dial of Destiny. Like, there seems to be a lot more cribbing of language from other films. All that being said, though, when this thing is firing on cylinders, I'm having a great time. Like, I'm yeah. absolutely loving the action sequences. Even if they may be slightly different derivative in spots, I don't care. It's a spectacle. It looks great. It's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, and I, I, overall, I'm still having a good time. It still pulls me back in. Yeah, I'm being nitpicky. Like again, like I oh, I just saw that car thing on John Wick right. about four months ago. Right, you know, right. I mean, it, it's it's still and and I will say, outside of those few moments, I still think for a two and a half hour movie, this thing just flies. Yeah, for the most part, there's just a couple scenes when I feel like we could have said cut, like maybe a, a two sec, five seconds earlier, maybe, but that's about it. Um, yeah, no, I it's it's a lot of fun. It's good. It delivers exactly what you see. You get to see all your favorite characters. You get to see uh, Henry Zerny back. I, I do like me some Kittredge, so uh, that yeah. was a nice, pleasant thing to see. And you get Simon Pegg, get Ving Rhames, who's the only, I think, agent who's been in every film in some way. He's made an appearance in every was single he, one of the was films. Was he in the first one? I can't remember. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen the first one. I okay. thought he was. Okay. I thought he was. You I could think be he's right. the I'm only not one. Sure. I'm not sure. I can't remember. But yeah. I thought I'd read that, too. Maybe I'm... Who knows? Of course, Rebecca Ferguson, uh, great as always. I love, you know, the explanation for the eye patch. I adore this. Yeah, something about she can't, she couldn't wink, she couldn't keep one eye closed, so they had to cover it with an eye patch. Yes. Because <laughs> in the trailers, it looks like, oh my, did she lose an eye? Yeah. No. No. Yeah. And then Palm, uh, was it Clementif? Yeah. Uh, who plays Gabriel's assassin. So you know she's going to come back in the next one, too, and she'll end up probably joining the IMF. I'm kind of curious, too. Oh, and Shay Wiggum. Listen, I love me some Shea Wiggum. So there is a lot to uh, enjoy in this film, Matt. And I am curious to see where we end up next year. Hmm. You know, do are we done? Do we push with a new team? I always thought one point, too, that's what Renner was supposed to be doing after Ghost Protocol. Yeah, right. But um, still, 
Here we are, Matt. Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. Even though we have an unfinished story, I'm giving it a B+. Plus. All right. I, I think I liked it a, a bit better than you did. I, I Even though I'm more prone to nitpicking, I, I think I kind of forgive it. Any of its slight sins that it has, and I'm going to give it an A-. Okay. Miles apart. Mm-hmm. Trench, Mariana Trench is apart. <laughs> if you had a chance to see uh, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1... We'd love to hear your thoughts. Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirsttorun.com. Matt, I know if nobody else can see this, but I'm going to give you a really dramatic head turn now. Hmm. <laughs> oh, one last thing. You can make these really lifelike masks. Right. But you can't have blue contacts to cover for Vanessa Kirby's almost crystal blue, like crazy, like Daniel Craig crystal blue eyes. Right. And, like, her bodyguard guy, nobody notices now that she has these d- brown, almost black eyes when right. Atwell's character takes over. That that really kind of pulled me. I could not stop looking at that <laughs> and thinking, how does nobody notice that she went from these, like, glow-in-the-dark blue eyes to right. these brown, black ones? That is a good point. You know what? And here's the thing. I didn't notice at the time. Oh, so really? Yeah, yeah I, didn't even, I didn't even really notice. Uh, so... Maybe I'm I, I'm one of her bodyguards. I would have just let that slide. But that guy who's her main bodyguard, he's almost like her, like her her pet. Like he's always with her. Yeah, you would think that you would know. And even says at one point when she goes, "Oh, you changed. Yeah, you changed your eye color for Christ's sake." <laughs> I just that's one thing I just couldn't wrap my head around. How no, you know, what's weird too is they've done I think something similar in the past. They have that actor play that role, yeah. and I guess what they must have done is. What had her wear brown contacts or digitally give her the brown eyes? Right. Why? Right. I don't, I can't wrap my head around it. Well, whatever. Plot it's gonna hole. haunt me. Huge gonna plot hole. Someone's going to say, well, it's because, Chris, the machine broke and, uh, well, they're making Ethan's mask. That's why. But no, because the, I think the contacts would be different or done earlier. That was broken. You wouldn't do the eyes eyes afterwards. You right. wouldn't do that. Just be right. stupid. Right. Use your head, people. <laughs> Coming up on physical media this upcoming Tuesday, July twenty fifth. Matt being released in four K. I was really thinking about this. This may be one of my favorite comedies of all time. I. Yeah. This crazy thing called love. There it is, Matt. Uh, so I married an axe murderer, and I bought this on Blu ray a couple years ago and watched it, and it is so good. 
because uh, it's got this perfect balance of just being really weird, crazy, and zany, yeah. but also very sweet and romantic with this wacky kind of mystery, thriller, horror aspect to it in a way as well. And uh, it's just it's just great. What are your opinions on So I Married an Axe Murder? You know, I, this is one of those films when I was a kid that I really, really liked, and I haven't seen it in years, but I... I could still like recite whole sections of it. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen it so many times, even though it has it. It's probably haven't seen it in like 10, 15 years. Yeah, it's it's great. If you haven't checked it out, people, do yourself a favor and buy it on Blu-ray. Get the 4K, rent it, do something. It's it's great. It's before I think Mike Myers' comedies really went off the rails mm-hmm. a bit. Like the Gold Member, I thought was just an unmitigated disaster. I never saw the Love Guru. Um. I, yeah. So, but so I married next murder. One of the best, I think, romantic comedies of the '90s, hands down. Matt, coming up on ooh ooh ooh, July twenty fifth. Oh, my Christmas birthday! July. What do they got That's for it. you? Here we go. Well, this number five. Paint. Owen Wilson stars as Carl Nargle, Vermont's number one public TV painter, who is convinced he has it all—a signature perm, a custom van, and fans hanging on his every stroke. Until a younger, better artist steals everything and everyone Carl loves. I don't know if this is like a takeoff on Bob Ross or if Bob Ross is the younger one who steals everything. I, I don't know. Right. But if you look at the, the poster for this, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. So, there you go. Four. Matt, one of my... Mm, not a big fan. of One of the few episodes of Mystery Science Theater that I think is just okay... Uh, well, it's getting an actual legit release. Gorgo from Vinegar Syndrome. This is the British version, basically, of Godzilla. It's a brand new 4K restoration uh, to this set. You have a, a uh, Gorgo Lives film historian, a cartoonist, Stephen Bissett, on the legacy of the Ninth Wonder of the World, the making of, behind-the-scenes, featurette, and more. Uh, think about Gorgo, right? Some some greedy sailors capture this giant lizard man off the coast of Ireland and sell it to a London circus. And then Gorgo's mom shows up. <laughs> or maybe Gorgo's them? I can't remember. Gorgo's the baby. Yeah. yeah. I think so. I haven't seen it in a very long time. Right. Have you seen Gorgo? Are you a fan? Uh, the Mystery Science Theater episode, I saw Or just the movie that. itself. I just haven't seen the movie itself. I've only seen the episode. Fair enough. And that's later MST3K, too. That's Sci-Fi Channel. I think yeah. that's the last couple seasons, I believe, Gorgo is. Get three coffins ready. Uh-huh. Matt, criminal psychologist Dr. Herbert Lutek, played by Mickey Hargitay, is a deranged sex maniac who murders young women. His beautiful wife, the luscious Rita Calderoni, uh, is tormented by visions of medieval torture and lesbian orgies. But as their madness grows more twisted, they descend more, more and more deeper into a nightmare of dementia, depravity, and most of all, that's right, folks, it's delirium being released by Vinegar Syndrome as well in 4K. Commentary tracks, some making of featurettes, including one on the director, Renato Pulselli. This is one of those kind of legendary uh, giallos, really heavy on the gore and the nudity. Okay. So uh, if that's your thing, you can pick this up from them. Ooh, Matt, after this, I think I wanted, maybe we should try and slot this one in for Halloween. Looks like we're shy one horse. (laughs) You brought two too many. The Outwaters, Matt, is being released on Blu-ray. I heard a lot of buzz about this in the uh, indie horror circles. Okay. But for travelers who encounter a menacing phenomenon while camping in a remote stretch of the Mojave Desert. Okay. Um, it's supposed to be a crazy kind of psychedelic horror film. 
I don't know. Um, yeah, what was that Nick Cage one? The colors. Oh, the something. color out of space. Yeah, I don't know if it's quite like that, but it's supposed to be kind of just weird, crazy, and really unsettling. Okay. So uh, maybe we'll have to check that one out. And then finally, there can be only one. Criterion is putting out Carl Franklin's One False Move in 4K about a small town police chief who awaits the arrival of a gang of killers. Audio commentary from 99 is ported over featuring Franklin. A new conversation between him and then the co-writer and actor, Billy Bob Thornton. I've always heard really good things about One False Move. I've always wanted to check it out. So now is my big chance to see it. So that's being released, Matt. And a couple things in 4K. The 2014 Ninja Turtles movie is coming out. Okay. You've seen that trailer for that new animated one. That that actually looks pretty yeah. good, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I have seen it. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't look like it's going to be all bad. Yeah, and then uh, World War Z, it's getting its 4K release, and uh, we talked about So I Married an Axe Murderer, and then finally, the Stephen King uh, adaptation, Needful Things, being released in 4K. You get the 4K restoration of the theatrical cut, and then on a Blu-ray, they have a brand new master of the TV cut of the film, which is 191 minutes. Okay. So if you want to see the expanded version, that's there as well. Matt, you're straight to... Oh, I'm sorry, one other thing. Chucky... The uh, four through seven are being released uh, from Shout Factory, all in 4K. And then finally, Matt, something I didn't think was ever actually going to happen, but Swamp Thing, the original, is being released in 4K as well. But it includes a 4K restoration, not only of the U.S. theatrical PG version, but the unrated international version, which features a little more Adrian Barbeau, if that's your cup of tea. (laughs) Uh, but like that, everything I'd always read about that in the past was that that was never going to be released in Blu-ray or remastered here. I thought there was some kind of licensing issues or something about it, but looks like they cleaned it up. So it's going to be available. There is a special edition set, which comes with some extra features. Um, I actually, yeah, right. Yeah. I think that's it. So let me look at it again here. Yeah. The 4k set has, uh, some additional stuff like that's what it is a mini poster cover art and a limited edition slip case and uh that kind of stuff so i actually pre-ordered this because okay. i've always been a fan of swamp thing okay and uh i think i got i got in at a pretty good deal so there you go matt you're straight to dvd pick of the week i actually want to see this one mad heidi i saw a trailer online for it and it looks like just i think good kind of crazy i think it's nazi Nazi exploitation where they get all killed again like a sisu. Okay. So uh, Swiss mountain girl Heidi is abducted by a brutal government troops and must defend herself and fight a war against a cheese-fueled machinery of hate. Maybe it's not Nazis. Anyway, just watch a trailer for Mad Heidi and tell me you do not want to see it. All right. Matt, what should we be streaming this week? I'm going to recommend uh, a bummer, but a bummer that I liked uh, from last year. The indie darling after Sun about a young British man who takes his... Uh, young daughter on what turns out to be their last trip together before he drops out of her life. Um, And it's really about her kind of as an older woman reminiscing on that last trip she had with her father and the struggles that he went with and the good times they had together as well. It's available on FUBU, uh, Paramount Plus or Showtime if you have any of those services. Nice. And A24 has a 4K disc of that as well. If you want to pony up, I'm assuming like $300. I have absolutely <laughs> no idea. But no, After Sun is fantastic, man. That ending just gutted me when yeah. the reveal kind of comes and just oof, really powerful, beautiful film. All right, Matt. 
Let's uh, close up the show then and share our five favorite Mission Impossible scenes. It's funny putting my list together. Almost three out of my five are all from the same film. Interesting. I tried uh, to spread it out as, as much as I could. Yeah, so, but here's one that didn't make the cut. It's not very action-oriented, but it may be one of my favorite scenes in the entire franchise. Just not, you know, bang, bang, shoot, shoot, drive, zoom, zoom, zoom. You're dead, Mr. Damien. Never witnesses. I was you in the bathroom. And you're going to tell us everything. Every buyer you've worked with, every organization. What the hell is your name? Names, contacts, inventory lists. You have a, a wife, girlfriend. It's up to you how this goes. Because you know what I'm going to do next? I'm going to find her. Whoever she is, I'm going to find her and I'm going to hurt her. You were apprehended carrying details of the location something codenamed the rabbit's foot. I'm gonna make her bleed and cry and call out your name. And you're not gonna be able to do shit. You know why? What is a rabbit's foot? Because you're gonna be this close to dead. And who is the buyer? And then I'm gonna kill you right in front of her. My favorite villain, Matt, in the entire series. It's uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. And um, he plays uh, Owen Davian. And then probably right after that would be um, probably Michael Nivquist as Kurt Hendricks in okay. Ghost Protocol. Yep. Do you have a preferred villain in the series so far? Uh, yeah, I think Philip Sermon Hoffman is is probably the best from an acting standpoint. He really classed the joint up uh, when he came onto the onto the scene, and yeah. kind of really makes the third entry in the series. I think hmm, I don't know who my my second favorite would be. I don't know. I have to think about that. All right. You'll have to get back to me. Matt, uh, why don't you go ahead and start us off? What is your fifth favorite action set piece from this series? <clears throat> All right. So my number five is from the fir- is the only one from the first three. The first, I've, I've said many times that I don't think the first three are really that great. I think of, yep. of the... The first one's the strongest, but they're all much weaker than what comes later, which really kicks this franchise into overdrive. But... Because it's kind of been boiled into the very fabric of the language of cinema and is basically a cliche, the scene of the stealing of the knock list when uh, uh, Cruz comes down and has to make sure the temperature doesn't get too high, he doesn't make any noise, and he's doing the whole you know, heist uh, in the first film where he's suspended in air. It's been parodied and, and made fun of to death, but that's because it's an iconic scene. Yeah, it's my number five as well. When he catches that sweat bead in his hand, I mean, so many great little moments in that. But uh, yeah, I think the Langley break-in I have it, it titled, but yeah, you're right, the stealing of the knock list from uh, the CIA headquarters is one of the most indelible moments in the franchise, if not like action cinema, like you said, the past, what, 30 years or so. So, yep, nope, that's a great pick, obviously. All right. So then my number four is from our latest entry, Dead Reckoning. I'm going to go with the climactic train scene. Specifically, I think when Cruz, after he makes his, not a spoiler because it's been shown several times, his climactic jump um, off the the cliff for real, and then he gets himself on the train, especially how it ends up. It's pretty good stuff. Um, and it, it certainly is a bit of a nail-biter as they go through it, even though 
you know how it's going to turn out in the end. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so then my number four then is the Halo jump from Fallout when uh, Cruz and uh, Henry Cable, uh, John Lark or whatever. I can't remember his other name in the film at this point. <laughs> but um, yeah, when he, they jump out of the plane, they do that high altitude uh, jump there and then Cable's character gets struck by lightning. August Walker, that's a good name. That was a good name. He gets struck by lightning and gets knocked out and then Cruz has got to save him as well and they both land and he pulls a shoot basically at the absolute last moment to save himself and uh just great great thrilling stuff so yeah halo jump is my fourth all right so my number three is i'm not really scared of heights if anything i'm more scared of like confined spaces so if anybody's listening to this you know put me into like a cave like in the descent is nightmare fuel but Watching Tom Cruise uh, scale the Burj Khalifa in Abu Dhabi uh, is insane in in the uh, Rogue Nation. It basically watching him scale the sheer glass surface, you know, over however many thousands of feet above the ground he is, and watching the you know sandstorm roll in with you know. I think it rolls into a scene where, you know, Leah Sadu is getting her ass kicked, which is also awesome. It's, it's a really, I think it's of rogue nation, the kickoff of the, the kind of Renaissance of the series. It's, it's the highlight of that film. Yeah. I don't have any thoughts on that. Uh, my number <laughs> three then is from fallout again, the helicopter chase. Mm-hmm. Um, diving around the cliffs of the, the mountainsides over and over. And it just, Absolutely. I would be hard pressed to believe that you'd have a really thrilling action packed helicopter chase, but fallout actually absolutely pulls it off. And then when the thing crashes and then everything, Oh, it's just insane. That entire sequence. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that helicopter chase from fallout to my four. Yeah, Three. It's, it's it's an honorable mention for me. I was trying to figure out how it could fit it on the list because it is great, especially the part that I like the I think is just a nice touch is when Cable's leaning out of the the other helicopter and you see the tracer rounds coming by. As mm-hmm. It's 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 a it's a great sequence. It is fabulous. Uh, my number two then is uh, Chris's number four, the Halo jump scene, the into the storm with Fallout. I think uh, you know Cable walking by ripping off his mask because he's you know a huge dick and like jumping out the, out the out the uh the plane but kind of when you see Cruz leave the back of the plane and you can see him getting closer and closer to the clouds and the lightning in it is and then when they actually get into the storm is just uh a breathless sequence and i thought it was incredibly creative and a cool way to do it uh because i'd never really seen something like that before it is one of those things too in those scenes where you kind of hold your breath, even mm-hmm. or, or the same one too where he's underwater. Is that from Rogue Nation uh, when he has to go underwater? Yeah, the, uh, hold on, yeah. it's on my honorable mentions. Yeah. I can look at it right. It now. is on yeah, Rogue yeah. Nation. Yeah, underwater switch out. Yep, yeah, Rogue Nation. Okay, so then my number two then is again my final one from Fallout three in a row mm. is the bathroom fight when oh, yeah. uh, Cable and Cruz follow that guy they think is John Lark into the bathroom and then. All hell breaks loose. Not only with Henry K- Cable reloading his fists to get back into the fight, <laughs> the ripping out of the pipe from the sink, the fact that every time they think they may have this guy down, he comes back. And uh, it's also, I love fights in tight quarters. You know, there's so many great little, just the sheer physicality 
of that fight sequence being thrown through the mirror, all these different things. Um, it's one of the more brutal. I put that fight scene up there with a lot of this stuff, I think, even with the John Wick films. Yeah. I mean, I think it's that intense, that strong, that vicious, and that entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, honorable mention for me, a, a great, great scene. Uh, it was, again, so close, but there's just so, too many good scenes in this. And I like, too, because it's not, a lot of these ones are so big. Yeah. This one is so much smaller, yeah, and yeah, I don't yeah. know if intimate's the right word, but it's just, yeah. Yeah. It's three guys in a bathroom trying to kill each other. That's it's it. Fantastic. All right, so my number one then is the uh, Kremlin heist from Ghost Protocol. I think what I like most about this one is that it's got you know elements of the kind of spycraft stuff. He's he's disguised as a Russian general. You know they've got the, the gadgets showing on, but then at the end, as they're making their escape, you know the final denouement. Everything is kind of goes off the rails, and it's not what they expected. And that final explosion is just. Is just a spectacle, and it's it's uh, the whole thing, the whole sequence from beginning to end is just kind of hits the beats of everything that you want to see in this franchise. There you go, and, and again, another one that's not big for me. My number one, Matt mentioned it earlier. It's climbing of the building in Abu Dhabi. Uh, it is, it's because there's so many great little moments in it because it goes so horribly wrong. Right, right. One of the gloves shorts out. You see the sandstorm reflected on the windows, and he looks and sees it coming. Right, and then I think the the cherry on top of that is when he jumps into the room mm. and he misjudges it and slams into the top of the window building and yeah. then falls into it. It's just so many brilliant little touches and moments that shows that a lot of times too, it's he sometimes he just gets lucky, mm. right? That he ends up surviving something. When a lot of this other stuff, he's like a superhero. That one, he still is a little bit. But he's more Batman than Superman. And things go, you know, slightly wrong every time. That When that glove powers down that last time, right. you just feel the dread. And uh, I don't know. It's my favorite moment in the entire franchise. It's not the biggest. Yeah. But it is such a great little scene. I, man, I still wish that Brad Bird was directing that Superman film. I really think he would knock that out of the park. And I wish he would do more action movies, too. Yeah. I just... Ghost Protocol is still... My favorite out of the entire franchise. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they're still going on, but Amazon had a good sale on all these on 4K, I guess in honor of the new movie. And I managed to get Ghost Protocol was the last one I didn't have in 4K because it never went, it, it would seem, never seemed to go on sale and it finally did. So I pulled the trigger. I have them all. I had most of them, the first three only on DVD. Mm-hmm. So I upgraded those to 4K, I think last year when they first came out. It was on Black Friday, I think. They got a really good deal on them. And then I bought the last two. Uh, I still haven't upgraded um, my Ghost Protocol. Mm. I think partly wise because my Apple TV digital copy is in 4K Dolby Vision. Oh, okay. So I feel like I know it's still streaming, so it's going to be somewhat compressed. Yeah. But I haven't seen it cheap enough. Like if it was ten bucks, I might upgrade it. Yeah. In fact, just on Prime Day, I I did upgrade my Inglorious Bastards. Oh, did because I love that film so yeah. much because it was yeah. like ten dollars yeah. for the 4K. Yeah. And I've read a bunch of reviews on it. And it, even though it's an upscale, it's still supposed to look a lot better, a lot more depth. The colors are supposed to pop more. Uh, so, um, yeah, if I get it at the right price, I just can't pay more than 10 bucks for it, I think. Yeah. I already own. I, think, I don't think the Blu-ray looks that bad either Yeah, for uh, Ghost Protocol. Yeah, I didn't know it in any fashion, so this was a no-brainer for me. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. All right, Matt, any honorable mentions that you haven't mentioned? Uh, that we haven't talked about? Um, the clinging to the plane in Rogue Nation, and that's really yep. just because... Tom Cruise really did that, which is insane. Um, 
the car chase in Dead Reckoning, I think, is a lot of fun when they're kind of chained together. Um, mm-hmm. It's a good car chase. And then the car chase from Fallout, especially that scene when the the prison transport falls into the river and it's inside the actual uh, thing. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. Yep. I would also throw in the train fight finale uh, from the first film. Mm-hmm. And then we talked about that. The bridge ambush for Mission Possible 3 when Damien is freed. There's just one great moment where there's a rocket or something. And then uh, Cruz Ethan Hunt gets pushed like the force of the blow throws him into the side of a truck. It's a great little moment. And then um, what else I had? There are two motorcycle chases. One from Rogue Nation, which is really good but short. Mm. Um, Then the one from Mission Impossible 2 at the end. Um, which I had to give MI2 a little bit of love. I mean, it's woo, and it's, good God, is it John Woo through and through. But uh, <laughs> it's not without its charms. Right. And it is is like one of the quintessential late 90s action films. It is. I mean, for better or worse, because honestly, when you compare it to like what you get in the later output, it really shows its age watching it after you've seen the rest of them. Yeah, but I think they all have their redeeming qualities. Mm. There isn't a bad one in the bunch. Right. The first one's a little different. That's a De Palma film through and through. Two is a Woo film through and through. And then Abrams kind of reignites the whole franchise, right, with three. And then things take off from uh, Ghost Protocol from there. So there you go, Matt. Any uh, other thoughts on the Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning? Are you excited for part two? Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I mean, uh, this is a one-two punch for me where... We've got uh, Spider-Verse cutting off midstream mm-hmm. for a number two, and then we've got this cutting off midstream for a number two. Getting two of those in one year is actually kind of annoying. <laughs> Indeed. Matt, what are we going to be uh, talking about next week? Oh, wait, hold on. I forgot. What's your favorite Mission Impossible action set piece? Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Okay, Matt. Mm. What's up next week? Well, because we love you guys, we are back to two theatrical releases. I don't know how long that'll last, but definitely for the next show, we're going to watch uh, Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer, and then we're going to watch Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig's Barbie. See, I don't know, Matt, if that's going to be true or not. I think because the issue we had is the the film after that following weekend, I don't think is anything we want to see. Gotcha. So we're considering and i thought i'd change this to go oppenheimer next week barbie the week after potentially that is not what it says on the calendar it still it doesn't it still says tbd the week after so yeah so so we'll have to check there may be a streaming thing maybe it was like maybe we do extraction too maybe who knows sure makes sense But we'll figure that out in the next week or so either way i can guarantee you we'll be discussing oppenheimer i think first because we got to do the i think that's going to get the dolby unless uh yeah yeah so we'll definitely do that. And we got to come up with a final segment, Matt. i got to start loading those. Feel free to uh, fill stuff in yourself, too, if there's something you want to do. Sure. But well, I'll work on the rest of this on the on the plane ride. Yeah. I mean, well, <laughs> folks, I mean, I'm glad Chris made a liar of me 30 seconds after saying that we we're moving to, <laughs> to a, back to the two-movie format. But that's okay. It's okay. It's summer and we got stuff to do. That's it. So, uh, all right. That's it, folks. We're going to go ahead and uh, take an extended break. But in the meantime, you can check us out uh, at thefirstrun.com. Find archive all the old shows and the uh, report card, which I think Matt still hasn't updated. I've decided as of this moment that Matt gets to do that going forward, oh, even okay. though he doesn't have access to the scores like I do. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, and then uh, run YouTube. Um, where else? Instagram. 
Facebook, Twitter, do a search for the first run, scroll, 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 eventually you will find us. And I guess that's it. So like we said, I'm going to take a little old extendo breako. We will see you all soon. Take care of yourselves. We love you. My name is John Johnson, but everyone here calls me Vicky. Will you please follow me? I love Vicky. He's, he's great. He's the best. Oh.